Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM Podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And you know, mentoring has become an ever-increasing priority for businesses in recent years and has become even to greater relief in the last 12 or 15 months with people being detached from each other and it being harder to develop young people because we're not around them. And joining us today, we have two very high-flying mentors and mentees. They have both been in both roles. We have with us Amanda Farmer, who's a global client leader at WPP on the massive Walgreens Boots Alliance account. Also with us today is Sharon Collins from another major brand, BDO Accountants, and she leads on training and development and well-being of the marketing team in her business. Ladies, how are you today? Very well, thank you, Ben. Great, thank you. Lovely to be here. We've had lots of stuff in the press about the need to develop young people. It's not something that's become new to the pandemic, but it's something that's perhaps, as I said, going to sharper relief into the limelight in the pandemic because of the detachment we've had, the physical distancing we've had of ourselves, if not social distancing. And it does seem to be something that people are recognising is absolutely key for the future of their business. Um, is there a risk, Amanda Farmer, that it becomes a bit zeitgeisty and people are you know, keen to do it now and they're making the right noises now. But as we slowly make that return to normality, which we hope won't be too far away, it starts to fall down the list of priorities. I mean, I think uh, I'd like to think that it's very much here to stay. I think mentoring and and has been around for some time, uh, definitely um, over the years it's been present. But I think to your point, it has really come into the limelight and really taken centre stage as we felt more disconnected from our teams and our peers um, and getting that kind of one-to-one connection and, and support has become even more vital um, as, as we've all been remote working. I think once people try it and see and feel the benefit of either having a mentor or, or being a mentor themselves, I'd like to think it, it's very much here to stay. But I do think there is a danger and a risk that as people's lives start to get that that bit busier again as we start to sort of get into a, a new normal or hopefully a better normal that that could lead to to more pressures on people's time you know as you start to commute more the time that you might have had to to invest in mentoring and being mentored you know may may take a, a hit um, and obviously we don't know what the working patterns quite of the future look like you know we're very much looking at a hybrid working model of some days at home and some days at the office but I think what is only be constant and continue is that there are going to be new challenges that people face as the way of working continues to evolve and change you know what it's going to be like over the next few weeks and months versus in a few years time you know change is constant and the only thing we can we can really rely on so I think being faced with new challenges in their careers mentoring as a tool has longevity. It's interesting, isn't it, Sharon Collins, that 
there is a danger that there is this shiny new toy that we're hoping to experience from this summer, which is being able to get out and about, meet people, start schmoozing clients again, doing all the fun things that are associated with our businesses, means that things like this, which have become so important and will continue to be so important, you know, may, maybe are getting pushed out by some of that other stuff as we get excited about going back together. How, given that that is a clear and present risk, as Amanda says, do we keep up the momentum and the awareness of the need to do this mentoring alive? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good point. I think what we've seen from the pandemic is um, there's much more of a community spirit. People are much more aware of their well-being and their self-development. And I, I would like to see that, that that would continue going forward. Um, I think people have now had the time to reflect you know, on what, what's important to them and sort of make, make plans for the future. Um, it is going to be tricky once we get back to a some form of normality for for this to to continue. I think one of the things is making sure that mentoring is really accessible. And I think one of the things to to mention here is there's actually two sort of forms of mentoring, if you like. There's the formal route of mentoring, which is where you would go through maybe something like the the, the CIM mentoring platform. There's a formal approach. But then there is also an informal approach, and that is just, you know, messaging someone in your in your network, um, asking for advice. And I think what, what we might see more of is that that type of mentoring going forward, where people have seen that networking and connections are really, really important to us. I think that's something that's come out of the pandemic. And maybe there's going to be a bit more move towards the more informal type of networking and, and mentoring. But that's interesting, isn't it, Amanda Farmer? That actually some of that informality that we've been talking about, that Sharon's just alluded to, that was kind of lost when we all started remote working because we weren't co-located with our colleagues very often, if at all. How do we make sure that we remember the habit? We've got out of that habit because there's not been people near us. How do we make sure we remember that habit so that informal mentoring can be revived? Um, I think it's very much about connectivity and it's about making the time and, and, and creating the time and spaces in our working week and months to have that connectivity and connection. So um, I kind of I've taken part in formal and, and, and informal mentoring. Um, and I think that, you know, the thing that works for me best is having time and, and having a formality even around the informalness. So there are certain people within my organisation that I might have a check in once a month and it's more of a just how you're doing and what's going on right now and, and how can I help you? Is there anything I can do to support you? Versus actually there are people that I still informally mentor. So every four to six weeks we have a 90 minute session and agendas are set, etc. So I think I think the onus is on the mentee to drive that connection, to drive that agenda, to raise their hand and schedule that time and say, I need some help. Um, someone gave me some great advice that mentors don't come and look for people to mentor. You, you have to you have to find and seek and ra raise your hand. So I think that's really important. Be bold and be brave. Um, I'm a big believer in that mantra. If you don't ask, you don't get. And so be cheeky, be bold, put yourself out there. 
I've got a really good example of that, Amanda. So our managing partner did an interview where he was asked his, his top dinner party guests and he happened to say, or a random stranger as, as one of them. And one of our trainees at work emailed the managing partner and said, could I be that random stranger? Would you be prepared to mentor me? And he took him up on it. And now it's a, rever- it's a reverse mentoring relationship, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And hats off to that individual to actually have the guts and be bold enough to email you know the managing partner and actually you know spark up that that mentoring relationship I think that's right there'd probably be an expectation that that slot's already taken or they're too busy or they wouldn't want to do it I actually just think you know there's no harm in asking you know the worst that can happen is someone says no the timing's not right um but you've done it like I think I think it can reap massive rewards and dividends for putting yourself out there so hats off to that that person for doing it it's great one of the interesting things about the, your testimonies is that you're both at some point being mentors or mentees you still are a mentee Amanda despite being global client leader which I think tells its own story it's interesting that you're saying that the relationship is symbiotic that it's mutually beneficial do you think that's widely known by potential mentors because uh, my concern is that unless that is more widely known, you are always going to have a restricted supply of mentors that if they realise that actually it was great for their professional development, simple self-interest would mean that more people would offer their, their themselves up to be mentors. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that is one of the challenges um, that, that we have. And, and I think we need to promote the benefits for the mentor as, as well as the mentee. So, I mean, just thinking from my own experience, some of what you gain, you know, le- leadership skills, you know, to you learn to bring the best out in people. So questioning, listening, empathy, they're absolutely key skills that you need as you move up the career ladder. You know, it's also encourages you to step back from the day job, self-reflect and see something from someone else's point of view, which, you know, I, I just think that is really really invaluable and you know you can gain knowledge as well from from your mentee so there's the really you know the the well-known example of GE years ago when the internet was first coming out and they said right we need the younger employees to teach the the more senior employees all about the internet you know that's a really well-known example of reverse mentoring but actually you know there could be be lots that a, a mentor could learn from a mentee whether it's technical skills or whether it's just you know diversity of thought and seeing things from a different angle so I think there's loads in it for the mentor and we we definitely should should be promoting that yeah I, I think there's often a misconception possibly that mentoring someone is a lot of time it's a lot of energy and ev- everyone is individually busy everyone's got their own career path their own work-life balance that we're all constantly trying to juggle and the number of hats we wear on any given day is increasing you know, the perception, the misconception can be that it's it's a burden um, rather than a gift and a, and a joy. And I think that, you know, for me, the reason why it is something, you know, it can often be my favourite part of a week is because it's like taking a refresher course. It reminds you of all the things that you have learned and that you know, and that actually you could be probably applying like today um, that you've forgotten about because, you know, it was years ago that you learned that piece of information or that tip or that trick and and actually it's incredibly poignant and, and important and, and a lot of those things can be leadership skills that you know you you pick up over time and experience and by having a very 
direct conversation with someone being like, so what is gravitas and how do I get some? It's a great question. Um, and it really, I think that that setback and perspective, uh, but it brings things back up to the surface. And, and I think, you know, the other reason why it's some of my favourite time that I spend is because I think there is nothing more rewarding for me than giving back and, and being a champion and helping other people kind of supercharge their career growth um, and making it sort of a bit easier and a bit faster for them to progress than probably I found it at the time that I came up in the industry. Um, mentors and mentees were like, were like a mythical creature, like a unicorn. Um, and now, thank God, it is more accessible and widespread. So I sort of feel like I've got a duty and a responsibility to help help the the next generations climb that ladder faster, quite frankly, and better than I was able to. When you're young and you're starting out your career, you kind of hit brick walls and you don't know why you're hitting them. And to have somebody who's in your position say, look, you know what, I just wouldn't do that. I would do this instead. That's going to make their move quicker, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... You know, I'm really proud of the relationships that I've forged through mentoring and, and how I've helped people kind of not only navigate challenges in their career and how to tackle tricky situations, but also to sort of help them almost um, liberate themselves from the fact that it is a ladder. You know, careers are jungle gyms now. You can start in one place and actually the paths thanks to the internet and how the world has supercharged its own growth and changed, careers can take so many different paths. You know, the structure of organisations um, has completely changed over, over the last 20 years. And so, you know, enabling people to understand how to tackle, you know, liberating themselves from that, that structure and that I've got to climb the north face and it's a ladder and I'm on this run and then it's the next run it's not linear anymore and it shouldn't be um ultimately and I, I think the things that I get asked the most um that I feel really a privilege to be able to help thanks to some experience that I've, I've managed to to rack up myself is like how to ask for a pay rise women particularly how do I ask for a pay rise how to manage conflict within a team or how to approach an appraisal and ask for promotion or um, I'll often review people's CVs and give them advice and and help them with interview processing because because having a partner in crime or a wing a wing person to help you navigate some of those things with experience can just lead to um more comfort and confidence in those moments for those people and, and I think that's what that comes down to really. It's interesting that you Sharon mentioned this phrase reverse mentoring earlier which maybe some of our audience will be familiar with and some will not be as familiar with and some may not be familiar with it at all but that suggests to me that it's in reverse in that the person who's earlier in their career is somehow mentoring someone who is later in their career is is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's exactly what reverse mentoring is. So someone senior in the organisation will be mentored by someone who's maybe just starting out in their career or at a very sort of early stage in their career. So if that's right, then to do the navigation advice, what navigational advice is someone who's an earlier in the career giving to somebody who is later in their career? I'm not sure it's the navigational advice. Obviously, there's different mentors for different situations. And I think in the case of reverse mentoring, it's much more around, um, you know, what what the more senior person can learn about what's happening in, in the company. I mean, once people get to a certain level, 
there's no way they can understand everything that's happening in the company unless they're, you know, they've got their ears open and they're talking. Talk, it's almost the equivalent of walking the shop floor, if you like. They're actually hearing from the younger people um, within the business, you know, what, what is actually happening. And, and you know, quite often that can drive that can drive change it can again it's offering that different perspective and diversity of thought that the more senior employee might might not even have considered and actually it's really interesting now that lots of boards are looking for younger board members you know and increasing that 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 pool of people that sit on a board for my mind it's it's no good for a company to be full of yes people that that just doesn't work. That that is a company that that's in trouble, as far as I'm concerned. So you need lots of voices around the table. You need lots of different voices and people at different different stages in their in their career to really really make make the business work. So I think there's a lot that the more senior employee can gain from listening to it to a younger employee. It's taking a voice then from the front line, if you like, mm. which presumably makes helps the business become more footloose, become more innovative and more customer centric because as you grow higher in the business the danger is Amanda Farmer and I'm sure it's not in your case but in for some people's cases you become more detached the risk is you become more detached unless you make that connection with the front line. I think that is that is true and, and very fair across most organizations I think Sharon's absolutely right with the insight that you get from the younger members of your company when you're spending time with them you get to understand the experience that they are having and some of the challenges they are facing within your organization and that can absolutely lead to ideas and initiatives that didn't exist before that might help uh, might help the, the broader company um, but I think what's really important as leaders is that we are connected with the day like we are fully connected all the way through the business and that does take time and it takes effort and investment but I think in order to serve our people best and I do think as a leader you are there to serve your company and your people and give them what they give them the best tools and experience for them to to be their best um, then you need to understand those people and you need to understand what the experience is like and where the pain points are so that you can put improvements in place. So I think, um, you know, we have we have a CEO who has a, a sort of quarterly coffee and you'll he'll, he'll speak to, you know, a, a bunch of people at, at different times of the quarter but it's through through the entire organization and he's just there to listen. Tell me what you're loving, tell me what goes well, tell me where the pain is. Um, and, and then we can do something about it. And I, I think as leaders, it's about you've got to listen. And if you're not asking questions and listening, then then I don't think um, I don't think the the dynamic is is right. The dynamic the dynamic has got to be absolutely right, isn't it? You know what I'm interested in here is that is the relationship between mentor and mentee, and presumably that's like that mirrors any other human relationship which is that not every mentor is a good fit for every mentee in the same way that not every friend is a fit, good fit for another friend or not every a boyfriend is a fit for another boyfriend or another girlfriend or whatever it may be that actually the, the 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 match has to be right presumably between mentor and mentee and if we take that as red how do we find that match you know is there a dating agency for mentors that we can use you know how do we find our match in the mentoring world, Sharon Collins? I think, as, you know, I think part of it is around understanding what you want to get out of the relationship. So um, if you understand that, you can start to identify 
the right person to be a mentor. So it could be that you're looking for um, support around a particular technical skill. So in a you know in, in my when I was a mentee, um, one of the skills you know a few years ago that I was looking for help with was around digital marketing. So that was a very clear skill need. But also, you know, I've been mentored by people where actually it's a lot broader than that. I just want, yeah, I just want to understand how I, you know, move up the career ladder. And it's very much around those soft, you know, softer skills rather than than technical skills. So I think understanding what you want to get out of it is is um, absolutely key. What happens if it doesn't work? If the person, the match, isn't right? I think you have to be open and honest. It, the, the whole thing about a mentoring relationship is being open and honest. And actually what I would always advise as a mentee or a mentor is have that initial conversation, scope out what it is you want to achieve, how you can support it, you know, each other. Um, get that in place first of all. That will give you some indication of whether it's it, it's, a, it's a goer or not. Um, if it's not working, though, you know, it's no shame to just put your hands up and say this, this isn't working. Um, I think it's better to do that and, you know, move on rather than be, you know, in a mentoring relationship that, that just that just isn't isn't working. Sometimes, Amanda, presumably it starts off fairly mediocre and can become very good if you use the right techniques. And as someone who's had experience on both sides of the table, are there any particular techniques that you would suggest to make a, an average mentoring relationship into a good one and maybe into even into a great one? I mean, I think I think the first thing is is making sure that you are clear on what you want from that from that relationship, from that mentor and having that upfront conversation, you know, before before the pandemic, I'd have suggested that you go for a coffee and a chit chat and get to know and share the things that you're struggling with and the things that you want advice on and, and input on to, to make sure that that person actually does have the right skills and experience and that, and that they can help you um, and that there is a connection and a chemistry there and that you can sort of for, for, form that. Um, I think really the things that you the sort of techniques that that I use with my mentees and I, and I still use with my mentor is, um, you know, I, I set a topic, I set the agenda and I send that. I like to either receive it a few days in advance or I send it a few days in advance so that we are both clear on what are the topics we want to cover um, and what do we what are they looking for some advice on or what's what's the challenge that they're grappling with at that time and I think having that in a few days in advance either enables me or my mentor to think about those needs and spend a bit of time kind of retrospectively thinking about a situation and, and what advice might I give so that I've got you know considered thoughts for when we when we meet and we have the most productive and meaningful meaningful session together really you're both marketers most people who come on the show are marketers and most of our audience are marketers do you think that mentors have to be from the marketing sector or one's own industry i mean i think that both are incredibly powerful i think having a mentor uh, in the same sector and industry um, is very useful because it shortcuts a lot of context and background setting um, and it's likely that they will have walked at some point in the mentee's shoes and therefore have very sort of direct experience to draw on um, or at least be uh, aware of the current context and sort of challenges and therefore can add different perspectives 
um, around the industry and the context and th how, what things are happening right now that, that might also be impacting some of the experiences that those mentees are having in their organisation. Um, but I don't think it needs to be somebody, you know, within the same department or, or within the same background. And, and I do think that it, it might be within the marketing sector. But, you know, one of my mentees works in a media agency. She's phenomenal. Uh, absolute powerhouse. And I'm really grateful to have her in my my corner. Um, and so we're in the same industry, but we have different spaces and, and experience and backgrounds to, to draw upon. And so I think a difference of perspective is, is really important, actually, because it helps us challenge our own and we can learn from from that experience. Um, so I think I think ideally, if you, if you can get two, if you can get like both, that's brilliant. But I but I also think that you know, peer-to-peer -peer mentoring is just as powerful. You know, the person that you used to sit next to every day that you no longer sit next to, you know, we can learn just as much from the people in our teams and at the same level of our, ourselves than we can from people above and, and below. So I think it's about a cross-section, really, and, and having diversity. The diversity is almost implicit, isn't it, Sharon Collins? Because nobody has exactly the same lived experience as each other. And presumably because the more people we can talk to and the more people that we can consult and mentor and mentee incre increases our uh, our collective experience doesn't it absolutely yes i think that diversity of thought i mean one of the things about mentoring is it's about understanding ourselves a bit better it's about being curious and it's about pushing boundaries and sort of putting yourself out of your comfort zone and I think one of the ways you can do that is by you know perhaps being mentored by people who aren't in the same industry as you um, aren't at the same level as you you know you can start to have those conversations on broader topics and start seeing things from from other angles so I think it, it really does depend coming back to the point it depends what you want to get out of it um, but but like Amanda I've had I've had mentors for different for different things so I've had more than one mentor I've had mentors that work in the same industry as me and I've had mentors that don't work in the same industry as me um, and both have been equally equally useful I, I also think there's a point that a mentor can be really brilliant for a very specific challenge or a moment in time in your career and that's okay. Like some people come and go from life, a mentor isn't isn't one that needs to be the same and consistent for you to get maximum value out of it. Some people can help you with a moment in time. Some people will help you with a part of a journey. Um, so you know, I've helped people grow from one one level to the next level, and they've achieved that promotion, and then they've naturally kind of moved on, and and we've we've done our time together. And I think that's absolutely that's absolutely how it should be. Um, I think equally. You know, for me, I, I found being mentored for the first time absolutely game changing. And I struck gold by having uh, somebody within the learning and talent uh, discipline of the company um, offer to mentor me, you know, personally. Um, and that was sort of 10 years ago. And that really helped me unlock things that I couldn't see, things I didn't even know existed. Um, and it really opened my eyes. Uh, up around being about leadership and what leading really is and looks like and and I think that's one of the biggest grey areas you know we we become leaders because we get promoted but we learn the skills on the job uh, and and there are you know there are many many to pick up and so I think what that what that enabled me to to develop was a real deep level of 
empathy for my current situation and the team and the people around me um, and a real deep level of self-awareness that, that I carry with me today it's really like it was absolutely game-changing for me and that's why I'm a real passionate advocate of, of mentoring and being a mentee. It really is about unlocking potential isn't it Sharon yeah. Colin and, and, and perhaps unlocking potential more quickly than you would otherwise have done so were you not mentored. Definitely. I mean, I absolutely loved um, the, the phrase that, that Amanda used earlier about super supercharge someone's career. I, I think that's absolutely spot on. I mean, I since I've been so since I've been a, a mentee and a mentor, and I'm I'm still a mentee, but by, by the way, so I'm sort of both um, continuing on that learning journey. Um, I I feel like my career has massively come on leaps and bounds over the last sort of few years and I put I do put a lot of that down to mentoring uh, you know I've, I've been in roles where it, it has been quite challenging um, and I sort of feel like I've been banging my head against a, a brick wall and and that just gave me the most massive boost at the time you know it, it really really did and actually funnily enough I had a mentor probably four years ago and we we both ended up in different jobs by the end of the mentoring relationships, because we we both realised we were in the wrong we were in the wrong roles, um, and we both sort of gave each other the confidence to go. We're actually not going to do this. We're going to do something else. So it can be, uh, and that's that's coming back to that. What a mentor gets out of it as well. We both sort of supported each other on that. So it's not hyperbolic. It's the literal truth that mentoring can change your life. Um, and if ever you have any doubts about whether to be a mentor or a mentee, please remember that Amanda Farmer and Shallon Collins are both, and they are both very senior in their careers. So a very inspiring testimony from both of you today. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Amanda Farmer and Sharon Collins, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you, Ben. If you've been inspired by today's episode, supercharge your own career by joining the CIM Mentoring Programme today. Whether you want to learn from the best or give back to the marketing industry, if you're a CIM member at affiliate level or above, sign up now via MyCIM to find your perfect mentoring match. CIM Marketing Podcast.